Welcome to another brand new episode of Any Given Friday, the official podcast of Lake Country Sports. It is Friday, October 11th, and we're glad you're joining us for episode 8 of season 3. My name is Justin Hubbard. I'm the sports editor of Lake Oconee News, and with me, as always, is the Eaton Messengers Gatewood sports reporter, Trevor Bowden. How's it hanging, Trevor? Uh, I'm never watching Braves baseball again. Oh, God, don't bring that up. <laughs> Full disclosure, we were less than, what, 14, 15 hours out from that abysmal Game 5 loss to right. the St. Louis Cardinals. I, I couldn't believe it. Thankfully, I was at the movies. I had a rare afternoon off, and it was nice. Congrats. <laughs> I was at the movies on Wednesday watching the new Joker movie. Fantastic movie, by the way. And... When the when the previews ended, it was about 5.15, 5.20. Okay. I turned on Hulu on my phone and looked at the game really, really quick just to check it. Right. And it was already like 5 nothing. I'm like, okay, I don't have to worry about this the rest of the day. Just a, an awful, awful showing. Well, we, we got some bad news here in Lake Country, too, that we need to get through. Some good news and some great news as well. Really a mixed bag across the board <laughs> this week as far as our local teams are concerned. And I think we're going to start in volleyball, correct? Works for me. Let's start off with Nathaniel Green Academy volleyball just because we don't have any official updates uh, because of the timing of our recording. The Lady Patriots made it to their region tournament. They played their first round game on Thursday night, several hours after we recorded here, so we don't have any final score for you this week. We'll have that next week. And uh, the last update I saw, they were waiting to figure out if they were going to have to travel to Trinity Prep School. Remember, they just played there two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Or to Providence Classical Christian School. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last I saw, they were trying to decide between, the ones, between those two for the uh, number two seed on that side of the bracket. So... Uh, I'm sure that's been updated, just not on the website. The uh, GAPS website is notoriously kind of slow with stuff like this. (laughs) Either way, the Lady Patriots are on the road against a really good team. The winner of that game advances to play on the road at number one, Alleluia Community School, which got a first-round bye this Saturday, I believe. As of this recording, we're still awaiting those final results for NGA Volleyball, of course, but uh, Putnam County Volleyball's final game and final match, I should say, is in the book. The Lady War Eagles traveled Tuesday to Raven County High School for the first round of the area tournament, and in the first round, they took on, ironically, Lake Country opponent LOA. These two teams are, what, 20, 30 minutes down the road from each other, and they had to drive all the way to Raven just to play each other. (laughs) I understand it's region tournament, but come on, Common sense should have prevailed here. They could have played at home uh, either of the schools and, and would have saved a lot of time. Right. But anyway, that is the way the model is set. They played against LOA Tuesday evening and lost 3-0. to zero. Uh, Not only did that loss eliminate Putnam from the region, excuse me, from the area tournament, but it also prevents them from qualifying for the state tournament. So it was a bit of a rocky season. They finished 6-20 overall. Uh, and, and were, I believe, a five or a six seed in the region. So they, they did a little bit better in their region play than they did as a whole. Uh, but by and large, this was a growing season for them. And our, I say new, he's been around for about a month now, our new Putnam County sports reporter, Lee Coleman, has a couple of really good Putnam volleyball stories inside this week's edition of the Eat to Messenger. I highly recommend checking those out. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it paints the picture of a team that really struggled at times because they're a young program and has uh, incrementally gotten better this season. And unfortunately for them, they did take that season and they lost. But at this point, with six wins, you got to say hey, that's a pretty good accomplishment that we made the area tournament. So uh, the end of the season has come for Putnam Volleyball, and uh, we'll see what they're able to do moving forward as a program. Well, Trevor, every other volleyball team that I've discussed or am I'm about to discuss in a moment is in the postseason. Gatewood, however, as of this recording, still has one regular season match left. What is the latest with the Lady Spike Gators? Yeah, so like you said, uh, Lady Spike Gators have not started their postseason yet, but they've, they've had two really big region games the past two weeks. Uh, last week on Tuesday, 
uh, October 1st. They had to travel to Augusta Prep, who is second in their region. Um, they went into that one really hoping to come out with a win because that allowed, if they had won, they could have clinched a two seed in the region for the state playoffs. Um, unfortunately, uh, it was probably their worst performance of the year. Mm. They were, and that's coming from Coach Hyatt. That is not my. <laughs> that is not my opinion. Um, I agree with him, though. They they looked very lethargic. Um, he was disappointed. Uh, this is in my article from this week's paper, actually. But uh, he was disappointed. Um, felt like they just didn't come with any sort of fight fight about them um, losing by six, ten, and then four on on a game or. Uh, a game where Augusta Prep had some subs come in, and so it wasn't really technically their first string, if you want to call it sure. that. Um, all three of those sets started out 5-5 and seemed like Gatewood, and then it was just a couple points down the road, Prep would go on a run, and Gatewood just never recovered. Um, so that loss actually locked them into the three seed for the state playoffs. But they had one more region game, which was Tuesday of this week, and they upset... The region-leading, undefeated-in-region play, Loganville Christian, on senior night. Um, that was a huge win for Gatewood. By far the, the rowd- not the rowdiest volleyball game, but by far the rowdiest Gatewood sporting event I have seen this year. Wow. It was, I'm hands down, it was insane. Now, is this a rivalry? No. They okay. were just, Loganville was just okay. undefeated. So, wow. um, props to the football team. As soon as practice was over, the entire football team was there. Nice. So it was it was great to see the support from fellow classmates. But uh, it was kind of crazy to see the first set they lost twenty five ten. Gatewood did. Wow. It was not close. And as soon as it 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 almost literally looked like a visible switch. It's like okay, we just got spanked. We don't like that. And from then on, the rest of the games were extremely close. Um, so it was back and forth. They lost one. They won two, they lost three, won four to force a game five, and then game five they won eighteen to six. So that's what you call a competitive match. Absolutely, it was it was <laughs> none of the sets other than that first set were uh, far far apart in the scoreline. So um, that'll be in the upcoming next week's paper. Coach Hyatt had a lot to say about that game. Um, so while it didn't affect the uh, playoff seeds and stuff. He really is proud of his team and uh, happy for them to come into the postseason with that huge region win under their belt. Um, actually, tonight, meaning Thursday, the day of this recording, um, they will be in Dublin facing GHSA West Lawrence. Um, Coach Hyatt kind of described this as a tune-up against a team that typically is pretty good. They are actually third in their conference as well for GHSA, so... Um, he's hoping to kind of use this as a tune-up going into the postseason, which I actually heard from him earlier this morning that Oak Mountain will be their playoff opponent, who is second in their region, and he has told me that is the best region in GISA. So they've got a a tough matchup. Um, That will be at 11.30 is what he thinks on the 18th, so next Friday. and that's in that's at Heritage in Noonan. So um, they hit a high note going into the postseason. They hope to carry that into finally starting their postseason. So with Gatewood almost starting postseason, we've got two Lake Country teams that are still alive in their postseason. How are Morgan and LOA faring? Well, uh, truthfully, I can't say for sure about Morgan because they play Thursday night, which is obviously, <laughs> again, well after we record this show. The Lady Dogs will play Monroe area in the first round of the region tournament, area tournament, whatever they call it. And uh, they just defeated Monroe area pretty recently, so they're hoping that those fortunes will continue. And as I always say when we talk about Morgan Volleyball, I don't cover this team personally. Our editor, Leela Scoggins, does. And we had a little bit of a change in our schedule this week. She did not run a story in this week's paper, but she's going to follow up from this game and, and provide next week all the updates that we need on Morgan Volleyball. But, uh, they, like I said, they, they finished up the regular season with a couple of pretty good wins there, and they hope to continue that stretch into the postseason. Now, as for LOA Volleyball, I do have some results. 
As I mentioned earlier, the Lady Titans defeated Putnam County Tuesday night 3 nothing in the opening round of the area tournament. And with that victory, LOA not only advanced to the second round of the tournament, but the Lady Titans also clinched a state playoff spot, so pretty significant win there. They went on that night to lose to Raven County 3 to nothing, which, of course, was the host team. And on Thursday, they played Raven again uh, to determine playoff seeding. And the state playoffs for volleyball are going to begin Saturday, October 19th. So we're about a week out from that. LOA will be in the postseason. We just don't know what seed it's going to have and where it's going to play. And uh, certainly next week, we'll have full results on that for you. And uh, hopefully give you a little bit of a playoff preview for them. Well, really quick before we move on to football, we've got one last softball update for this season of Any Given Friday. And it's kind of a downer. I'm just going to give that spoiler alert. <laughs> LOA softball will start with them. Finished up the season 11-10. and 10. As I mentioned last week, they went to their region tournament, took a couple of really rough losses there to some very strong teams that will be in the postseason or in the playoffs moving forward. And as I told you last week, Trevor, my fear and my expectation was LOA was going to be on the outside looking in of this Class A power rating system. The Lady Titans finished 26th, and they needed to be 24th or better to be in the state tournament. Their power rating number, which is, to put it vaguely, (laughs) a mathematical combination of their win and loss record and their strength of schedule, was 7.91. This is how close it was. Pelham got the number 24 spot, two spots ahead of LOA. And Pelham's power rating number was just 8.13. So very close there. Wow. That's what, 0.22 points? So very, very tight race there. And Taylor County was sandwiched in between them with 8.11 points. So Taylor missed it by 0.02 points. Wow. Excruciating there. And... (laughs) As I went into a little more detail with my column this week, if you want to read a rant about this, you read that. <laughs> um, I don't think Taylor should have even been that close. I think LOA should probably have been uh, in that 25th spot. And I think there was a, a team at 21st that was four games below 500 that got into the playoffs and Excellent. had a worse record than Pelham, which barely scraped in and had to go on the road round one and get killed by somebody <laughs> lost as of this recording. So, it's a frustrating end to the season for the Lady Titans, but it had been kind of a long year. They had some uh, really high moments, but finished with some tough losses there down the stretch. And I think everybody was kind of ready for a reset. But I felt like they were deserving of a playoff spot, and the power rating system did not work in their favor. Thankfully, that's going away next year. But last little update on them. This was by far their best season ever. In 2016, when they first started playing varsity competition, the Lady Titans went just 3-10. and 10. They went 6-17 and 17 the next year. And last season, they went 8-18. Eight and 18. So they improved by three wins and had uh, tied for their fewest losses. So really strong year for them. They're saying goodbye to seniors Kelly Stevens, Elizabeth Holt, Landon Bell, and Corey Kimbrough. Those four players. There, there have been some, some uh, long-term starters who graduated before them. But these players have been there all four years. And they're the first class to have been there all four years. So those are four cornerstone players, and uh, they're certainly going to miss them moving forward. And finally, we mentioned last week that Morgan Softball had a very high mountain to climb, and they unsuccessfully tried to do that. The Lady Dogs finished 7-15 on the season after taking a first-round playoff loss at Ringgold on Wednesday afternoon. Game one into 12-0, and game two was 7 nothing. So, didn't scratch across any runs, but they improved as far as what they allowed Ringgold. That's not a, an awful result. It's a shutout loss, two shutout losses in the first round of the playoffs. They're done. They got swept out. But I told you last week, Trevor, the, the score differential for Ringgold this season was unreal. And the Lady Dogs found a way to keep those games relatively close. 7 nothing loss in high school softball is not terrible. And uh, certainly it's a, a rough finish for the season for uh, Morgan Softball. I went and saw them play last week's region tournament. Just That region is so good. And they, they could not find their way up to a higher seed. So they were a number four seed on the road. Would have been on the road the entire way. And uh, just a, a tough road for them. But 
this is the end of the line, and their seniors are uh, Hannah Calloway, Mackenzie Torbush, Bailey Nix, Mason Tanner, Sarah Peppers, and Zoe Brown. I've seen most of those players play all four years I've covered this team. It's going to be weird, and it's safe for <laughs> LOA seniors. It's going to be weird next year not seeing them out there again, and uh, hopefully these both these softball programs are going to continue trending in a, an upward direction and playing some good softball in our area. Well, Justin, this will uh, probably be the shortest football segment we've got this year as there are three teams on a bye this week, but uh, Morgan plays, so what do you have about Morgan County? Yeah, what is up with this schedule, man? <laughs> Gatewood, Putnam, and Nathaniel Green Academy all have byes. And this was a mandatory, like a scheduled bye. Scheduled bye for Nat Green, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so it, it's been, what, like a month and a half since they played. Gatewood Easily. got a big win last week in the re-rematch against Terrell Academy. <laughs> Correct. And Putnam it wasn't won. a rematch, though. Yeah, <laughs> allegedly. And Putnam had a walk-off win over, who was it, Monticello with a game with a field goal in overtime. So Shout out to kickers. Very, yes, <laughs> very dramatic win there for Putnam. And that was also the case for the Morgan County Bulldogs, who improved to 5-1 and one on the season with a 2-0 and a mark in region play. By defeating Jackson County last Friday, 20-17. to 17. I interviewed head coach Bill Malone on Monday of last week. And he told me, man, every year it seems like we have a better record than those guys. But every year it seems like it's a closer game than it probably should be or <laughs> probably would expect on paper. And he was absolutely on the money for this one. Uh, it sounds like Jackson really put up a fight. They actually took the lead first. And then uh, Morgan technically had to come from behind. But they did so. Uh, Trent folds through two passing touchdowns to Jarrett Wyatt. Wyatt had been kind of quiet. Hey, say that five times fast. Uh, the last several weeks, he had a, a couple of really good games at the beginning of the year. I think he had a touchdown, maybe two, against Loganville in the opener. Uh, but So it's nice to see him get rolling again. And Seth Robertson, every week I come here and talk about this guy doing something. He recorded a passing, or excuse me, a receiving touchdown as well from Trent Folds. I, I don't know the context of the play, but I know that Chris Walls came through with a, a pretty crucial sack toward the end of the season, or the end of the game, I should say, not the end of the season, excuse me. <laughs> and uh, Cole Freeman, by my math, had 15 total tackles. Not a bad night of work not, not for the senior. And Denver Laughlin and Kerryon Farley each recorded an interception. So the defense needed to come through with big plays. It did. And the Dawes escaped with a three-point victory. You gotta expect the same is gonna happen tonight. Maybe not so close, but they're gonna host 0-5 Franklin County. Franklin is still searching for that first win, and uh, it, it could be interesting though because Morgan next week has to go on the road to Jefferson, and so that game could potentially decide the region champion. So uh, I don't think the Bulldogs are gonna get caught looking ahead because I know this coaching staff very well by now. They're not gonna do it. But you always you always worry about that creeping into the players' minds with a game like this, where on paper it looks like they should dominate and win fairly easily with a big game looming in one week. So uh, I'm curious to see if they come out to a fast start. I expect they would. They've done that all season. And uh, I'll be there in person keeping you updated on tonight's game. And uh, hopefully it'll be one last tune-up before they have that crucial game next Friday. The other team we're going to discuss this week is Greene County, which is coming off a very tough loss at home last week. 34-8, a defeat for the Tigers against Warren County. That drops Greene's record to 1-4. The Tigers really been scuffling a little bit this season. Two weeks ago, they got the first win when they dominated GMC Prep 49-9, but uh, unfortunately they were unable to replicate that type of performance against Warren they found themselves down 24 to nothing at halftime. Just really had no answer for Warren at the beginning of the game. I'll give them credit. They buckled down in the second half and really played a much better game. And if they had just done that in the first half, maybe it would have been a much closer result. But regardless, uh, I think there were some positives to draw from it. Demiron West continued to be Demiron West. He recorded the team's only points with a touchdown run. And then a two-point conversion attempt right after that. So <laughs> all eight points were to Demiron's credit. Obviously, he had help from his teammates, though. And he also had a fumble recovery in the second half. He finished with a buck 57 on the ground. The only real negative about it is he did lose a fumble later in the game. 
so Demira still is, you know, one of the best tailbacks in Lake Country, I would say. I don't, I don't think that's controversial. In my opinion, he's probably the best. I've not seen Mr. Walt Jarrett, who had a phenomenal game again last week, so maybe my opinion is incorrect. But for the ones <laughs> I've seen, I think Demiron is uh, certainly in that conversation. Desmond Dunn, i got to give that guy a shout-out. He's been their quarterback. I've detailed here on the show before how they came into this season not knowing who, Q, who QB1 was going to be, and they have since settled on – Desmond, he had a rough start to the year. He's never played quarterback before. It's a, a tough position to learn. Uh, he finished with 69 yards passing last week. The week before, I think he had 57. So, baby steps. And they're, they're not a pass team. So, those right. are pretty solid numbers. Demetrius Mitchell caught eight of those passes last week for 57 yards. So, nice to see him get rolling in the passing game. Defensively, though, Green County still uh, continued to struggle defending the run. They gave up 357 on the ground. Zero through the air. Uh a lot of that is because Warren <laughs> County couldn't really throw the ball. Right. But i got to give credit where it's due. Green County plays pretty good defense on those passing plays. They have experience in the backfield, don't have it at, at the line and linebackers. they got a couple of returning starters, but by and large, they're very, very young there. And it showed, unfortunately, for them. And you got to give credit in a few situational plays, though, because they forced eight third down attempts by Warren and only gave up two conversions. So not bad at all. They forced two fumbles, and, and the big another big detriment along with the running game is they committed eleven penalties for seventy five yards. So that's uh, a couple big elements they need to probably clean up there. But like I said, the second half performance really was a, a lot better than the first half. It, it became a close game, as I said in the uh, Facebook Live video that I did right after the game. It was kind of weird because I felt like Warren was just going to run all over them all night. And the next thing I know, I'm feeling like, well, maybe they've got a chance to come back. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately for them, Warren was able to make a couple of defensive stops and keep them out of the end zone again. But the Tigers are looking for another victory tonight, and they're taking on a team that should light a fire under them. It's their, one of their biggest rivals, Hancock Central, which is 2-3. and three. The Tigers are at the Bulldogs tonight and uh, searching for that, that second win of the season. Well, as Trevor said, that was a very quick high school football <laughs> uh, recap session there. Um, you got those final scores from Gatewood and Putnam, just to correct me. I, I don't think I said the scores earlier, but they both of them had very good wins last week. Right, right yeah, two very good wins. Uh, like you said, Putnam had an overtime victory, 24-21 over Monticello. Uh, that moved them to 1-2. and two. That was their first region win. Uh, like you said, by this week, then they take their two and four record to one and four social circle. Uh, so they're on the road next week. Gatewood, like you said in the re 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 rematch. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> won the state championship rematch, sixty to twenty one. Um, one thing of note that I have to say is there sure. were seven total touchdowns. From the Gatewood starting backfield, um, including over 400 yards of offense at halftime for the Gators. So that that pretty much sums up everything you need. To know They've got some really good tailbats. They should run like the triple option or something. Yeah, that would be a great yeah. idea. Um, I'll, I'll mention it to Coach Riley. See what, see what he thinks yeah. about it. Yeah. And Connor. Oh, and Connor Olson. Um, Do you have another interception? Six interception of the year. Holy cow. And how many in a row is this? How many games in a row? Um, three now, I believe. He might have missed one. What was last week was Westwood. I th- Oh, he didn't get one West last week. Oh, so now he's, he's... So until then, it would have been four then. So, wow. So last week broke a four-game streak. There, so, there was an interception last week. but not So if we're going to pontificate that Demiron West could possibly be the best tailback in... Lake Country. He Connor also might be the best defensive back in Lake Country. I could incredible. I could, I could vouch for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, that's going to wrap it up for high school football this week. But now it's time to look at the NFL and college football. Normally, at this time, we would bring in Will Petty, the editor of the Ball and Bulletin. If you've ever listened to our show before, you know this. Will is not with us this week. He's got, uh, got something going on. Right? Yeah, he, he walked in and told us, in the words of Johnny Paycheck, take this job and shove it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Will is off uh, getting hitched. He, he's going to be a, a married man after this weekend. So uh, congrats to him and his fiance. Um, they, they were leaving out about the time we were recording. So 
We wish them all the best. I hope they have a great time. Safe travels. Couldn't convince him to do the podcast, though? I, mean, I, I, told him, I told him I was very disappointed he was not here to discuss the Red River shootout between Oklahoma and Texas. We'll get there in a moment. I figured I, if nothing else, we could FaceTime the guy. Yeah, I, on, I asked him. I offered him to beam in via satellite, right. and he turned me down. So. <laughs> but all the best to them this weekend. But we're here, and we could talk a little bit of football. Absolutely. And I gotta admit, I, I forgot about this for a couple of days. <laughs> I was I was trying to get our, our uh, itinerary, I guess you could say, ready for today's show. And I was like, okay, is there any big NFL news? I don't think I've heard anything, which tells you how bad this team is. <laughs> exactly. The Washington Redskins fired Jay Gruden. What Monday morning? Early Monday morning? Five a.m. Like yeah. Five a.m. Uh, what is your reaction to that? Do you I think, think it was justified? Well, first of all, did you hear Scott Van Pelt's take on it? No. Scott Van Pelt. Full disclosure, I never watch ESPN unless it's a, 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 an actual game. A game? Watch, all right. So. so, Scott Van Pelt, in his uh, one big thing, is like his rant for the night, um, said, which I thought this was hilarious, you had to know, if you're Jay Gruden, when you get that call at 5 a.m., what's going on? So, Scott Van Pelt said, I'd have told them... Basically, I'm going to take this job and shove it. <laughs> Said, you know what? If you're going to fire me at 5, you can either do it over the phone, or you can fire me at, fire me at noon. I'm going to catch these Zs, and I'll see you later. <laughs> I thought that was great. Because, like, well, I mean, what's the point of firing the guy at 5 a.m.? Yeah. His post-game press conference, I'm going to come in Monday, see if the key works. It, I think that might have been the reason, though. It did not work. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hate it for him. Because, I mean, the organization, like you said, it's just, he was set up for failure with where he was. Um, I don't think he's that bad of a coach. I don't I don't know that he's really proved himself, but he also has been with the Redskins. So, I'm not surprised at all by the firing. Um, I, I would not consider their culture dang good to kind of ad-lib President Bruce Allen's comments. Did you see that? No, I did not. Oh yeah, Bruce, President Bruce Allen. To he did not use "dang," but you sure. get the you get the point. When asked about it, well, you know, uh, yeah, we're we're a really good uh, organization, but uh, our culture's dang good, so we'll we'll be all right. What culture are you looking at? <laughs> you haven't won a playoff game since two thousand five. I mean, yeah. you might as well just call yourself Atlanta. So what, it's 14 years going on 15? Yeah, that's not good. No. You have a starting left tackle, arguably your best player, who won't play because of the medical staff. <laughs> Nothing to do with what's going on in the coaching staff or the field of play. Your medical staff. Yeah. You can never decide on a quarterback. When you drafted the guy you kind of vouched for, Dwayne Haskins, I don't know the details of this, but I saw some – some fleeting news about it. apparently nobody within the team agreed on that. It was a was that a GM decision and the, Gruden was left in I dark? think I think we both kind of saw the same thing is that Jay Gruden had little to no um, input. Exactly input. Thank you in this year's draft. Your head coach does not, not have good. input in this year's draft. In your, I guess it are they rebuilding? Are they? Starting from scratch at this point, I don't, I don't even know what they would consider themselves. But how do you not let your head coach? Yeah. At this point today, yes, yeah, they did yeah. start from scratch. At that point in April, I, I felt pretty good about their chances to have a competitive team. But I think I said it last week. It is shocking that they are somehow the worst team in the NFC East. That includes the New York Giants. Not a good team there. Um, I, I'm stunned at how bad Washington has been this year. Jay Gruden, he, he's not as good of a coach as his brother. And I, I even think his brother is overrated. So that tells you probably about what I think of Jay Gruden. Agreed. Good coach. I'm not sure he's cut out to be a head coach. Um, as you said, though, you got to contextualize this and say, well, let, let's pump the brakes. <laughs> he was at a poorly run organization. Maybe it's not so much his fault. Who knows? Um, all I know is this was not a shock at all. Um, I I was amused Sunday afternoon when I read the key card comment. I thought that was funny. Um, but, yeah, I, I was not surprised. 
at this point, you got to make a move. This is just going to start a domino effect with other teams. You never want to be the first team to fire your coach. <laughs> now that, that that first domino fell, and I think some other teams pretty soon might be tipping over their dominoes as well. And, and I don't know who they're going to get. I mean, is there is there anybody available right now? I mean, well, their culture's good. So do, probably... do they do they go after Urban Meyer possibly? I mean, he's he's the biggest name uh, as far as the general coaching world is concerned that is available. So, I, could we see him make the jump to the NFL? I doubt it, but that's the first name that pops into my mind. If I were trying to rebuild my team, I think I would go after somebody with his pedigree. But who knows what's going to happen? But um, with such a good culture, why not just hire from within? I mean, the culture's phenomenal. <laughs> so, well, speaking of head coaches and. Head coaches getting their walking papers. <laughs> the Atlanta Falcons suck, dude. I know that's your team. Oh no, I. But it, it is officially official. You're not telling me anything I don't know. Um, yeah, breaking news. By <laughs> yeah, way. yeah. Um, will Dan Quinn? No, I'm not saying will Dan Quinn be the next coach fired. Right. Will he be fired this season or at the end of this season? Do you see him back in 2020 as of right now? No, not in 2020. Um, the only thing that is come to my mind right now, though, when I when I read this for when I was preparing for today, I kind of feel like with the state of Atlanta sports right now, <laughs> it's at, th- not at good. this point, the closest thing we have to another championship. They won last year, and nobody really admits that. But Atlanta United, who is also owned by Arthur Blank. I feel like, personally, I get the sense that he's going to focus on Atlanta United till their season's over and then make his move with the Falcons. You know what I mean? I feel like, granted, I would not be surprised if he walk. If we lose this weekend, I would not be surprised if he walks in and fires Dan Quinn. I, I mean... Who do they even play this week? Um, Jacksonville, maybe? Okay. I think that might be right. I'm not 100% sure. But um, I I just... I feel like this... That, Atlanta sports fan base is hurting, <laughs> so he is going to try and do his best. Sorry, Cardinals. Falcons are I at, did see that, yeah. Falcons are at the Cardinals. Um, so I if, promise we, we halfway know what we're talking about. <laughs> we do a poor job of planning sometimes. I mean, at this point, can you blame me for not looking up the yeah, Falcons? Yeah. <laughs> but, no, I don't, I don't think Dan Quinn makes it to 2020. I do. I think he's probably got two, maybe three games max of before they start talking about firing now. Um, I mean, granted, they're probably talking about it now, but I think he's got two yeah, or those three discussions games. Have yeah, started. I think he's got two or three games before they officially hand him his papers if something drastic doesn't turn around. But I mean, the dude's supposed to be a defensive guru. That's what he was brought in for. And we just got fifty hung on hung on us by the tech. We're not. A, they're a great offensive team. But fifty two points, even in today's NFL, is a heck of a lot. Of that's points. supposed to be, and that's supposed to be your bread and butter. What you yeah. were brought in for. Yeah. Um. But the good news is, is before the Texans game when they lost, uh, the week before that, you know, they were they were upset with themselves. They were angry. They were going to turn it around because that's not what they're here for. Yeah. So thank you, Dan Quinn. <laughs> For that inspirational talk that let them put 52 on us. So, um, I mean, honestly, though, the, the biggest question mark I have right now is, is this all because we lost Kyle Shanahan? Is this what it boils down to? I feel like since he left, it's just been all downhill. I read something in passing on Twitter a few days ago. I don't remember the exact ranking and the exact numbers that were in play, but I saw something that said in, what was it, 2016-17 season when they made the Super Bowl Correct. across those two, two uh, several months there, that Atlanta had like the 20-something defense overall. Mm-hmm. So not a very good defense that year. Right. But had a top five offense. Right. Or maybe, maybe number one offense that year. I can't remember. They, top, they, top five. They were sure. great offensively right. that year. No doubt about that. And ever since then, their offense fell mm-hmm. to match the defense. And right. the defense has not moved up, <laughs> as you laid out with, with the fact that they have a quote-unquote defensive guru in Dan Quinn, who did great things in Seattle before Atlanta. That is the issue. 
I mean, the offense no longer bails out the defense, and it's shocking to see that. I know Matt Ryan's had a bad year. There's no excusing that. He's made some truly boneheaded throws this season. Right. But he is still above average in today's NFL. He's still among the best options they can have. Julio Jones might be the best wide receiver in the NFL. Calvin Ridley's really good. they got some good running backs. The O-line struggles, as you laid out a couple weeks ago. But they got enough playmaking pieces that they should be able to compete in some of these games, and they don't. And they have not done that consistently since Shanahan left for San Francisco. I I don't know if it's just a mentality, you know, the, the cliche gelling thing, but something about this team broke when he left. No doubt about it. Julio, I think it was last week's press conference. Julio said that this team should score 28 points a week. Absolutely. And I don't see why that why anybody would scoff at that, you know. I mean, like you said, Matt Ryan, bad bad year so far. I mean, that's the best way to put it. But I would arguably say that if not the best receiving core, they're top five. I mean, who has yep. one through three that is all three could be a one on another team, you know? So I I I don't know. I don't I don't get why the offense isn't producing more points. I still don't think we would win games if they scored 28 points. No. I don't. I mean, Dan Quinn, oh, last year wasn't what we wanted. I'm going to take over the defensive play calling. Okay, well, that might have been the nail in your own coffin because it has just been a dumpster fire yep. since then. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he is the next domino, like you said. Um, I don't think he makes it to next year, and if he's the next one fired, I don't think anybody would, like you said, I don't think it would be breaking news to anybody. Oh, so. no, not at all. And again, I think it'd be very interesting to see who they bring in. I mean, is Sarkeesian available? No, I'm kidding. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> they, they would officially lose their fan base if they brought back that guy. Oh, Lord. Well, let's very quickly talk about this week's matchups. The Houston Texans, fresh off that 53-32 win <laughs> against your Atlanta Falcons, are 3-2. and two. They're traveling to the 4-1 and one Kansas City Chiefs. They The Chiefs lost to the, the Colts 19-13. I want to point this out really quickly. I, I, it was shocking to me. The 13 points that the Chiefs scored last week were their fewest points in one game since they scored six versus the Tennessee Titans in the first round of the 2017 playoffs. Wow. It had been a minute since they scored <laughs> fewer, yeah, right. that, that low amount of points. And well, I, thought, I think I might have seen where it was like Patrick Mahomes' first game that he hadn't been part of a 30-point game for them or maybe. something. I don't know. Something, I, I, mean, something, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Some insane stat yeah. that just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so um, the Colts, not bad. No. Not bad. Uh, not a great team. They beat a great team, but that doesn't mean they're a great team. All right. We got two pretty good offenses going against each other. Which do you think will prevail in this game? Uh, I'm saying Chiefs. I think the Texans played a uh, colander of a defense that was just, you know, <laughs> holes everywhere. But I, I'm surprised. Mahomes has yet to throw an interception based on the stats that I saw. So... Correct me if you know otherwise. I but. do not know. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, I know he's been great for me on fantasy. <laughs> exactly. I, I'm well aware of that. <laughs> um, but yet to throw an interception, I think last week was kind of a blip for them. Um, Texans, all, like you said, two great offenses. I think the Chiefs' defense is slightly better. I think the Chiefs overall are slightly better. Um, maybe more than slightly, depending on which team shows up that we've seen the past couple weeks. But uh, I'm going 38-24 Chiefs. Yeah, it's going to come down to one or two stops. And I trust Kansas City with the home crowd Correct. to get those stops more than I do Houston. 32 points allowed to Atlanta is embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, you outscored them by, what, 21? But come on, that's just ridiculous. I think Mahomes returns to form, full form. He was not terrible last week. He was better than most quarterbacks probably would have been. But he's going to be Patrick Mahomes again this week. I've got the Chiefs 41-30. I think even if his ankle is messed up, I think he still performs well. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't think that will hinder him at all. It's got nothing to do with his arm at least. Yeah. <laughs> We've also got two 
pretty potent offenses again coming up in an undefeated matchup versus three and two. You've got 49ers at the Rams. What what are you expecting out of this game? Yeah, you said it. These are a couple of really good, entertaining games, at least on paper. Right. <laughs> could, could be a fun Sunday of NFL football. Um, well, before I tell you what I expect, I need to backtrack. I, I think I need to jump off the Browns bandwagon. <laughs> um, 31-3 to with Baker, with Chubb, with OBJ, with other players whose names I don't know because it's the Browns and I don't follow them. What is up? San Francisco's defense is legit. It is the real deal. It might be the type of defense to get them to the Super Bowl. It might be. It it will get them to the playoffs for sure. And possibly a couple rounds deep. But you look around the league, nobody's really playing defense this year. Uh, The 49ers are. So 31-3 victory last week against what I thought was a pretty good Cleveland team. (laughs) Maybe I'm just completely missing the mark with the Browns. The Rams are scuffling. They've lost two in a row. Should have beaten Seattle. Uh, My boy Zerline, I think I'm pronouncing that right. He missed a a game winner. It could have been a game winner for me in fantasy too. Um, Because I took my first L this week. I'm still upset about that. I think the Rams at home are gonna they're they're gonna really be zeroed in on this game because they know this is a big challenge. I would have picked them to beat Seattle and I would have picked them to beat Tampa Bay the last two weeks. They lost to both of them. So they need a big performance. I think they come through. It'll be a tight one though. 38-31 Rams. Completely agree with everything you just said other than the score. Uh, <laughs> 28-24, but still the Rams. Uh, I think the Rams, like you said, this is a marquee matchup for them, basically. Um, this could kind of right the ship for the narrative on their season right now. Um, should have won both the games they lost, like you said. So knocking 49ers out of the undefeated ranks be pretty big for them. Um, yeah, so I, I think the Rams pull this one out. Uh, but being played at, at the Rams stadium definitely does help, I think. Last NFL game we're going to discuss is the Monday night matchup. The Detroit Lions are 2-1-1 one, one at Green Bay, which is 4-1 after beating up my Cowboys last week. Uh, 34-24. They still should have lost that game, honestly, if we're being for real. But, um, yeah, Dallas, you got to get, get it together, man. That was that was atrocious. Oh, okay. The bad part about it, I didn't think it was going to get any worse for me this week as a sports fan. The game five with Atlanta and St. Louis happened. Okay, Detroit took a loss to Kansas City, 34-30. Really tough loss there. Back on September 29th, they're coming off a bye. Do you think they have enough in the tank to go challenge Green Bay at Lambeau? I do. I really think they do. We talked about a couple weeks ago. I don't remember if it was on air or off air, but I asked you and Will, as Georgia fans, do you think Stafford's kind of being wasted away um, with the Lions? And And we both said he was. Correct. I think that he stands on his head and just comes alive this game. I think Stafford, historically, if you want to call it historically, I guess, uh, or annually, whatever word you want to use, Shows up for this game. I don't know what it is. Maybe he sees it as what he can't have with the Packers. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. But I'm putting literally my entire score guess, whatever you want to call it, on Stafford, and I think Stafford leads them to a 35-28 win. I disagree. <laughs> I think uh, Green Bay has found a groove here. Um, Looked unstoppable early against Dallas last weekend. That was a really good Dallas defense. They gave up 34, I know. They looked atrocious, I know. That was a good defense. You go back one week and look at what they did against the Saints. Right. That is the Drew Brees-less Saints, but But not a bad. Bridgewater hadn't looked like crappy. Right, exactly. Not a bad Saints offense there. Green Bay, I think, has enough offense to pull away a little bit and win this one by a fairly comfortable margin. I don't trust Detroit's offense. Though. I think their defense is pretty good. Their offense just doesn't seem dynamic enough with the pass and with the run 
to really get going against this team, especially on the road. I like Green Bay 28-10. to 10. I hope Stafford finds like six touchdowns and they're all to Marvin Jones Jr. <laughs> fantasy. Strictly for fantasy. <laughs> well, last week we came on this show, and I know Will and I did. I can't remember if he did, Trevor. We, we kind of poked fun at ESPN for giving Auburn only like a 53% chance of winning their game at Florida last Saturday afternoon. Florida won. <laughs> ESPN put us in our place. 24-13? 20, Correct. Um, yeah, I, I was shocked. I was, I was shocked, to be completely honest. Was this a case of Auburn being exposed? Or was this a case of Florida proving that it is a legit contender in the SEC this year? Full disclosure, and you're, you are more than welcome to laugh. I subjected myself to going and watching in Atlanta the Georgia Tech North Carolina game. Oh goodness! So I was not. I had to go look up highlights and talk to my brother about this game. So I'm not fully <laughs> aware of the whole thing. But um, basically, it seemed like everything I said about Bo Nix, it just fell apart. This game, <laughs> Bo Nix just cracked. You I don't jinxed know. Him. I I guess so. Stop listening, Bo Nix. Uh, thanks for listening, but stop for a few, and, few and weeks. If you run into Mariota, tell him to come back because it sounds like he may need to listen again. <laughs> exactly. Um, or whatever you want to do about the Falcons, be my guest. <laughs> um, 11 for 27, 145 yards. Not great, but then you throw in three picks. Three and you're like, picks. okay, great. <laughs> um, Auburn never led in this game. Yep. They got within one twice, I think. I think it was 6-7 and 14-13. Um, and then, I mean, they just they played bad. Everything. An 88-yard touchdown run to ice it, that is that is not what we've seen from Auburn this year. Um, no. I, maybe I'm going to be the only one that thinks this, but I still think Florida's overrated. I think that was more a bad game from Auburn than Florida proving they're good. Um but that being said, I really think this week against LSU is going to be a huge test that'll kind of show if I'm just don't know what I'm talking about, which seems to be the case sometimes. So, um, but I think that was more of a bad game from Auburn than a really good game from Florida. Shout out to Kyle Trask, though. I thought it was a big surprise. Obviously, he has a little bit of experience, but the dude came in having never started a high school football game. He was a three-year, I think. I think he played one year of JV that they didn't really count as varsity or whatever. Three-year backup to De'Aaron King, who's now over at Houston. Uh, The guy went down to a Florida camp, one Florida camp, and walked out with an offer. Um, which so I know this is surprising, but that trumped his offer he had from McNeese State. So he picked Florida. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I might have been tempted to go the other way. Um, but, I mean, dude's basically been the backup his entire life. Felipe Franks, like I predicted, literally fell apart. And <laughs> the guy goes 19 for 31, 234 yards and two touchdowns. Not bad. Not bad at all. Um, I think on the whole, I agree with you. Auburn, look, Bo Nix had played very well. He had been on the road a bit at Texas A&M, which, according to Will Petty, is the toughest <laughs> environment of college football. I disagree with that. I think I think the environment Florida is about to play in is. We'll get there later. Um, and I, I cautioned both of you last week. I said, look, Flor- I, I'm picking Auburn, but Florida's defensive back. They're secondary, I should say. I, I fumbled through that, but they're secondary. It's really, really good. They picked this kid off three times. So that that tells me everything I need to know about Florida's defense. The secondary is still among the best in the SEC, and it showed against Auburn. I, I, I think Auburn would be okay. This isn't a killer loss for them. It would have been a killer loss for either of them. Right. Because they still have to play their, their division games, and those will be more important. Um, I was hoping Auburn would win to an extent. I hate Auburn, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but I was – I want Georgia to have a little bit of a cushion in case they do happen to lose to Florida. I'm not saying I think that's going to happen. I'm saying I've seen Georgia-Florida my whole life. I know how it normally has gone. So I'm always a little bit apprehensive about that game. 
I think I, I think Florida played its best game mm-hmm. in the in the biggest moment so far. I still don't think it's a good team. I, I think back to the Miami game that should have lost by probably multiple touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Should have lost to Kentucky by multiple touchdowns. Those are not good opponents. Florida very fortunate to be undefeated at this point, and you know if they put it together from here on out, great for them. But as of right now, no way. I don't think they're that good of a team. So you just talked about Texas A&M supposedly having the toughest road environment for a team to come into. The number one team in the nation's going to that toughest environment now. Uh, what do you got for Bama at Texas A&M? I think it's going to get a little dicey. Wow. Okay. Um, the result's not really a question for me. I think Bama wins. Okay. I think Bama wins by 18. But uh, Bama gave up 31 to Ole Miss. This is true. <laughs> Ole Miss. This is this is post Dr. Bo Ole Miss. This is post uh we, we we effed up with our ridiculous hire head coach multiple times. <laughs> Ole Miss. Um gave up twenty three to South Carolina in a game that was pretty close at halftime. Correct. Um I don't remember the exact score, but it felt a lot closer than it showed on the scoreboard. I say that Texas AM only beat Arkansas by, what, four? <laughs> um, Should have lost. Yeah. And took a eight-point loss to Auburn. Took an eight-point loss to Auburn. I think Texas A&M has played better teams and is a little bit more prepared probably for this game. Bama's defense has got a ton of question marks. I know they've had some injuries this year. I think Texas A&M is going to make this a three-quarter game. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be close – up into the fourth, where I believe Bama will turn on the run and pull away. I got them 38-20, but this will be this will be a test for the Crimson Tide, I think, and I think they'll pass it. Completely agree with everything you said, but my gut tells me 45-20 from Bama, mm-hmm. and it's going to come down to Kellen Mond has 10 touchdowns and 4 interceptions. He's not been good. Tua has 23 touchdowns. And a goose egg in the yeah. interception column. I think that's the deciding factor in this game. Tua has not thrown a pick. According to the stats that I pulled up. I'm going to make a bold guarantee. He throws bold, a bold guarantee. He throws a pick this game. I can see it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guarantee it. I meant to do that with uh, Ian Book ahead of the oh, Georgia yeah. Notre Dame game. <laughs> and I'm kicking, I still kick myself about yeah. it. Because if you're two, he had none coming in that well, maybe game. Maybe you shouldn't make the prediction. Maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> but I, I swear to God, I was going to say that on that week's show, and it totally slipped my mind. We got to talk about something else. and Probably something off-topic. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> these recording sessions always take all day. But yes, I, I believe two is going to throw a pick now that you mentioned that. All right. Speaking of those fighting Irish, they are ranked... Number seven in the nation with a four and one record. They are hosting USC, which is three and two. Dropped two of its last three games. Um, do you think the Trojans have a shot, or will the Irish extend their winning streak? I think their third string quarterback going to bring some magic. Thirty-five, thirty-one, Notre Dame. <laughs> I think USC makes a game out of it, surprises some people. Um, I don't know. I just I, the couple games that I've watched USC, I, it do, it seems like it doesn't matter who they have at quarterback. Um, like I said, they're on their third one now. Who knows who when the other the first one obviously is out for the year. The backup he's hurt for a couple of weeks now. Um, I I don't know how many quarterbacks they have left <laughs> on the roster, um, but I just I think uh, I personally feel like. It could be a bit of an overlooked game for Notre Dame. They're not. I feel like they're not focused as much on USC, um, just because of some of the stuff going on with USC and, like I said, their injuries and stuff like that. Um, but I think Notre Dame still pulls it out with them being more a complete team. Obviously, not using a third string quarterback. But I'm going 35-31 Notre Dame. I agree it'll be close. I think USC is a fairly strong team. I think that record's a little bit deceiving. They're better than we probably would have expected if you had told us six weeks ago. (laughs) Both of their top two quarterbacks are going to go down with injuries. Um, It'll be a close one, I think. I think Notre Dame has been against 
two legitimate opponents so far, and both games have been fairly close. Obviously, the Georgia game right. was a tight one. And then right after that, number 18, Virginia, made it a game. It was 35-20 final, so a fairly close game there, too. Notre Dame's going to be challenged, but they got home field advantage. And Ian Book is a really good quarterback. I think they edge it out 28-24. As we said a few minutes ago, Will Petty cannot be with us uh, for some reason. Oh, yeah, he's getting married. <laughs> oh, um, right. <laughs> Um, I, I'm, I'm upset at him that he's not here to talk about this game because it's the Red River Shootout, man. <laughs> Oklahoma against Texas. This game is going to be inside the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. Texas is the des- designated home team this year. Um, I think that's how they do I think they treat it like Georgia, Florida right. as a neutral site. I could be wrong. Sorry, Will, if I am. <laughs> uh, so I... I have a prediction on this game, but I want I want to let you go first because I think I'm going to be a little controversial. With it. <laughs> Do you like the Sooners or is it horns up? Horns down. Okay. <laughs> uh, first question is why is this game at noon? I think it always is. I think that's tradition. It's uh, weird. Okay. I agree. It's weird. This, okay. sh- this should be a night game. Man. If it's tra- if it's tradition, then okay, don't yeah. mess with tradition. But that was my first thing when you told us about this game. Or told us that this was on one of the predictions. I started looking at it and trying to figure out why it was at noon. Because I expect this to be a really good game. Um, Always I th- is. I th- yeah, I think it's going to be pretty high scoring. Um, but Hertz hasn't done anything this year to not make me not bet on him. You know what I mean? Um, we've already talked about he can't control the Oklahoma defense. And I think that's going to hurt him this week. But... Um, I think that Oklahoma, kind of like I've talked about in the other wins or the other teams I've picked, they they seem like the more complete team to me. I think Texas has a little bit more question marks. Uh, I think Sam Ellinger is a phenomenal quarterback. Um, you should know they had a pretty big game last year. Don't don't you do that. <laughs> By the way, how, how did that Temple game go again? Was it twenty four to two? We put up two. Right, yeah. that's correct. What you bring up with the sugar bowl? <laughs> no, I wasn't bothered by it. That game, listen, 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 listen. Georgia checked out when they realized they weren't in the college football playoff. I ain't sweating that game. But go ahead. All right. That was a cheap shot. But go ahead. 28 to 3. I got to get them when I can. I mean, come on now. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, but I think Hurts is the better quarterback, Oklahoma's the better team. I think it'll be high scoring though, 49-35 Oklahoma. Oklahoma's defense has allowed an average of 346.4 yards per game. Texas has allowed 441.8 yards per game. It's not good either way for either team. <laughs> defense is like Atlanta, or Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for both of them. And it, it, it's the Big 12. We understand this. We're not, we're not saying that, oh my God, they should be like, uh, the SEC with their defenses. I'm not saying that. I'm going to for this. Texas has played legit competition. I don't think Oklahoma has been challenged yet. I'll I think they played a couple of okay teams, but Texas by large. They play LSU, which looks like a really good team right now. Mm-hmm. I'm still not completely sold on LSU. We'll talk about them in a moment. I feel like Texas is going to come into this game knowing that it has to win. Oklahoma does not have to win this game. But if a Texas team takes two losses, yeah, they could run the table from here on out. They could beat Oklahoma in a rematch for the Big 12 championship. A two-loss Texas will not make the college football playoff. Right. This is a mandatory win for Texas, and I think they're going to get it. I think it'll be a close one. Jalen Hurts is going to have what I think will be his first true Heisman moment because it'll be against a, a ranked team on national, they've been on national TV, but you know what I'm saying. In a right, marquee right. game, that's right. what I'm trying to say. Um, I think he's going to have an amazing performance, but I think Texas can make a couple of plays on defense to beat Oklahoma. This rivalry always brings out the best of these opponents. Mm-hmm. If I if I'm going to have to go with my gut and trust one team to make one stop, I'm going with the desperation that Texas probably will be playing with. And I know that's a strong term, desperation, <laughs> six, what, five, six weeks into the season. Right. But like I just said, I feel like it's a must-win for Texas. It'll be close, though. I like them 58-50. Wow. I think it's going to be extremely high scoring. I'm pretty sure when I was prepping that I saw one, and I don't 
I don't give two craps about gambling. It, no, none of that makes sense to me. But I saw something that said the point spread was at like 76 and a half. They're going over that. It, yeah, it was seven, I think it was either 70 and a half or 76. I saw the exact same They're thing. They're going over that. This game is going to be one for the ages. All right. So we've already talked about Florida, talked about if we think they're legit or not. I mentioned I think this week's going to be a huge test for them. What do you think about Florida traveling to LSU, what you think is the toughest road environment for any team? Yeah, we've been teasing this game all show. So we had <laughs> we had to close with this one. Um, yes, I have been – I have not been to all the SEC stadiums in the world. Um, I've been to some big ones. I've been to Jordan Air. I've been to Rocky Top, which when Tennessee is good <laughs> is a truly intimidating place. By the way, a little disappointed there was no black and red checkerboard. Oh, I knew that wasn't happening. It would have been phenomenal, though. I yeah. was That's the only reason I tuned in. <laughs> uh, by the way, that that um, the Georgia-Tennessee game missed a sellout by like 10,000 people. That That's the main reason it didn't happen. Right. That would have been unfathomable 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. Like, like 15-year-old me is shocked to understand <laughs> that happened. That is crazy. Wow, I was 15, 10 years ago. Holy cow. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I think LSU, I, and what I was going to here, I went to LSU last year when they hosted Georgia at a 3.30 game. Oh, boy. If it were, <laughs> I guess, their time, it would have been 2.30, if I'm not mistaken. If they get that rambunctious for an afternoon kick, <laughs> I can only imagine, to quote the famous song, what it's like at night. And we've heard stories years and years and years now how Death Valley is a completely different animal at night. Florida ain't ready for this. Mm-hmm. I think their defense is going to keep it fairly close. I think LSU's offense is going to look human. If you can make it an entity look human. <laughs> you get what I'm saying. I think this is going to make some people pause and say, oh, LSU may be not ready to challenge Alabama. Mm-hmm. Or Auburn, even. Well, I, they, they probably have Auburn, but I, I still am holding out the belief that LSU is not going to win the West. I know a lot of people, including Will Petty, disagree with that take. This will be the first week we start seeing those whispers on a national level. Florida's going to challenge LSU early, it'll be a low scoring game to a relative extent. But I think LSU's offense is dynamic enough with the pass and with the run and can make enough big plays to gain some separation. I'm taking the Tigers 28-14, to 14 and Florida will be going to South Carolina with the first loss next week. 28-17, Tigers. Mm-hmm. Completely agree with everything you just said, other than the fact I, I, I don't think the LSU offense – struggles necessarily in the terms that they turn the ball over a lot and make mistakes. I think they just struggle to move the ball at times against the defense that you've talked about. You just so. made my point better than I did. <laughs> I totally agree. Okay. Um, I agree. Like like I said, I didn't, I didn't get to watch the whole game, but when I went through and watched the highlights and stuff, um, Florida's, Florida's defensive backfield looks really good. Um, LSU kind of has relied on Joe Burrows a little bit more than they've relied on their rush, which is typically, or is kind of atypical for them. Um, Not saying they don't have the rushing attack they used to, just saying that they've kind of gone away from ground and pound as much. So I But they finally figured out that's not going to win any game. Exactly. Any important games Um, for them. But my point on that being, I think it could have helped them more in this game than what they're doing now. Because, like you said, I think Florida's DBs are that good. Um, but, that being said, I, I do think night game at LSU, it's too much for Florida to overcome. Uh, 28-17 LSU. I predict they will be hearing Garth Brooks call him that Rouge approximately <laughs> 37 times. <laughs> <laughs> I love that song. That might be the under. <laughs> I, I love that song. I love Garth Brooks, but when I left that stadium last year, I didn't want to hear that song again for weeks. <laughs> um, it's 
it's worse, in my opinion, than when Tennessee gets rolling and they play Rocky Top all the time. Oh boy. I have a very unpopular opinion that Rocky Top is one of the best fight songs in college football. I know it's unpopular, especially with, with my crowd of Georgia fans, <laughs> but I, I've always appreciated Rocky Top. But the good thing is it was Rocky Flop last week, <laughs> and the dogs stayed undefeated. Well, that is going to get us out of here for this week. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, hopefully next week we'll be back at full strength with Will Petty returning. Uh, if he says he's not going to come, we're going to chase him down and hog time and bring him in <laughs> to break down what I predicted will be a loss for his Oklahoma Sooners against their arch rival Texas. That might be why he doesn't come in. It might be why. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so, but any, anyway, we're going to get out of here before we take up too much more time. Uh, Trevor's got the night off when Gatewood being on a bye, but I will be at the Morgan County, Franklin County game, providing all the updates you need from that score. And be sure to come back here next week for another episode. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to Any Given Friday, the official podcast of Lake Country Sports. Check back next week for another brand new episode.